Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding, Ken's Movie Reviews. I am your host, Not Ken, bringing you another one of our favorite things to review, which is old movies. And this week we have a movie from 1984, which will be remade again this holiday season, and that, of course, is the movie Dune. Dune is based on a Frank Herbert novel and has a little bit of, what you say, a cult status or a little bit of notoriety in terms of popularity. And the movie itself is is a big, well... I'll say big budget, but it's a it's a big production in terms of when it came out and what the expectations were for this movie. You know, not knowing the age group exactly of everybody that's going to be listening to this, uh, we, we talk a lot about movies from the 80s and 90s. And back then, you know, budgets weren't $300 million and special effects weren't quite the same. Uh, there was a lot of more practical effects, so you had to pay attention to how you designed uh, clothing and and the scenery and the imagery, uh, more so than you could just rely on someone in front of a computer uh, creating and building those things. So this was going to be an epic masterpiece of sorts of a world 10,000 years, you know, not 10,000 years into the future, but the year 10,000. And we're in different parts of the of space and different planets. And there's, you know, there's a whole lot going on in between the different planets and, a you know, a, a war of sorts between, between two planets for the control of the spice. And you hear a lot about the spice throughout the course of this movie and you hear about what spice is and its importance although you don't necessarily hear a lot about what exactly spice is um, you just know that spice is life right and this whole movie revolves around that element except for the fact that you don't necessarily you don't necessarily get a good grasp on what it is and what exactly it does. Not that that's a bad thing, but the whole concept of this movie, as the movie is presented, is revolving around one, mainly one character, and uh, that that's Paul Atreides from House Atreides. And there's a there's an emperor and the emperor fears that the atreides family is 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 out to get him and the other house that's popular in this house arconan and house atreides are, are are battling and they've always been at, in at war but the the emperor fears that the house of Trades, like I said, is out to get him. So he, he kind of sets it up so that the Harkonnens can, can actually attack them, do all the bad stuff, take over. And in exchange, they've given Harkonnen control over the spice as it, as it would be. And I'm oversimplifying things. There's a lot more to it than that. But 
part of this movie's intrigue is the sci-fi piece of it. It's the adventure piece. It's the grand scale. It's the scope of it. And I think what we found in watching this movie when we were younger, or maybe when it first came out, is this movie, especially at its time, had this 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 look to it, had this feel to it, but it also had, from a storytelling standpoint, an aspect of we were missing something. We were we were missing part of the story, part of the feeling, and. To a lot of people, the movie was really confusing, too. There's just so many moving pieces and names, and a lot of the story is being told from an introductory standpoint, from an inner monologue standpoint, and that confuses people. And I, I think if you watch this the first time, or you watched it when you were younger, wanting to see this sci-fi epic that you really were confused and you really were able to miss out on what the details were. And that's part of the problem with this movie. And we'll get into some of the, some of the features later on too, in terms of the plot. But as always, we will rate this movie getting it a total possible score of 100 and we'll, we'll, we'll rate it out of 100 on a grading scale, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And we like to tell folks, hey, you know what? You know, if a movie gets a D, get somewhere in the 60s. D's earn degrees. And, you know, having a movie be rated a D or a C isn't necessarily a bad thing. And we don't really rate a lot of movies as A's um, or, for that matter, B's. So we would just like to like to remind people that, that you know, scores also are subjective but you know you get a c on a movie that's actually pretty good in our eyes okay so we'll rate this movie on a handful of categories and some of the categories are worth 20 points some are worth 10 points and i'll start on this movie with the 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 strongest point the strongest part the one that has the most points to me is the cast um the cast is just loaded with faces, with people that you recognize, a few that you don't, but everybody, you know, save for a couple exceptions, really just knocks it out of the ballpark. Um, obviously, your your main character throughout the course of this movie is Kyle McLaughlin, and this is the first time that you really see him. So this is, a, for all intents and purposes, he's, he's a rookie coming into this big scale movie. And, you know, I just think, maybe it's just me. I think he knocks it out of the ballpark. He's real young. Um, he, then the character is real young in here. And, you know, he's gone on to do many other great things after this. But what you see from from this is, is something unexpected where a lot of times those first time actor, actresses, uh, going into a film, you know, a lot of times they, they hit, so a lot of times they miss, and this was definitely a success. There, there's just so many, you get introduced to Virginia Madsen right off the bat. She's kind of, kind of a storyteller in a sense in, in this one. And there, there's just so many, so many faces and, and people that, that just do such a good job. Um, I, I've, I was going to rattle off just some other names here. Uh, Francesca Annis, Leonardo Semino. Now, you don't necessarily recognize those names. Maybe the faces. Uh, Brad Dourif. Of course, you recognize, You have to recognize Brad Dourif. He's awesome. Um, 
Maybe you don't recognize his face. Maybe you recognize his voice. <laughs> Chucky. Um, but he, he's awesome in this. Jose Fer Ferrer, uh, who is the uh, emperor. He's he's great. He's not too over the top in this one. Linda Hunt, uh, she's in the movie for a short period of time. You'll recognize her. She has a very distinct look. Um, I'll come back to Freddie Jones. But, I mean, you just go down this list. Um Everett McGill. Everett McGill has a has a face and a voice that you absolutely recognize in everything that he does, and he's great in this movie. Uh, yeah, just great in this movie. Jurgen Prochnow, who is in a, a ton of things, um, he. I don't think he plays the, the typical his typical character in this movie, um, but what he I mean, he's great in this movie. Uh, Patrick Stewart is in this. Uh, Patrick Stewart basically looks the same age all the time. And in this movie, he's great. He's got that that emphasis, that force that you want to feel from this character. He He's great. Sting is in this movie. Sting plays a character that basically just stands there in his underwear, shows off the six-pack, six and he's, like, shiny and has this, like, I, I guess the... You know, the Midwest term would be a shit-eating grin. And that's what he does the whole movie. And then at the end, he's like, you know, there's a, a, a poorly choreographed knife fight. Um, I will kill him. And then the movie ends. It's weird. And his parts, uh, there could have been a better person. There could have been a way worse person. So he's kind of a neutral a neutral for me on this one. Uh, Dean Stockwell. Uh, and if you... Gosh, Dean Stockwell is awesome. He's great in this movie too. And if you haven't watched Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap is a great show to watch. And he's obviously a main character in Quantum Leap. Uh, but he does great in this one. Max von Sydow is awesome. Sean Young is awesome. And I'm not a huge Sean Young fan. But she was hitting her stride right in right in the 80s here just doing killer movies uh my one and now now i'm being i'm being really picky now my one complaint my one actor actress in this movie that just didn't quite hit the notes for me was alicia witt uh, and of course when she did this movie she was was, was like six years old um sh she plays the part of Aaliyah, what was it? Alia, Alia, the 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 sister, but the younger, the, the little one. And you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen this movie. It's just her part is they did a, like a voiceover dub too, and it's, I don't know, it's just weird. And she's probably the uh, and I'm like that. It's bad to say that the the six year old in this movie is is the weak one. Uh, but if there's gonna be a weak link, it's her. So. Uh, everybody else was great. Now I said, I'd come back to a couple people. Um, you know, the, the Freddie Jones, Richard Jordan had some really cool character parts in here. Uh, Kenneth McMillan played the part of, uh, Vladimir, uh, Baron Harkonnen, you know, and in this, in this movie, that character is gross and is overbearing and is loud and he he does great as that character. Um I don't know like in looking at some of the things that uh 
that he did. Uh, he he's done plenty of things. He he's got a lot of he's got a lot of marks uh, uh, for things that he's been in. It's just in, in this movie he he does a really good job. And if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So for the score for the cast on this one, we we I give them a 19 out of 20 because the cast is just great. The acting is great. It's the thing that saves this movie, hands down. Okay, so the next one is the the director. The directors get a, it's a 20 point score, and the director in this one is a pretty well known director. A lot of people know or have heard of David Lynch. And if you know the work that David Lynch does, this one isn't necessarily the type of movie that he is known for. This is probably one of his things that is his big budget, his big, quote, Hollywood blockbuster movie. And I'm pretty sure I read somewhere, though, after he did this, it was so just intensive and so much going on. And it was not his usual cup of tea that he wasn't going to do anyone anything like this ever again. I think part of it, he, he didn't really have complete control. He had a lot of the studio telling him what to do or how they wanted it, uh, which I think became a problem. Uh there's only so much you can do with this material. There's there's a lot going on in this story. There's a lot that needs to be told. The movie is just over two hours long. Really should be four hours long and broken up into two movies. And he had to deliver what he could deliver. And I think a lot of things were out of his control. But going back to the cast, and the cast was great and the acting was great, he was able to get out of the actors' performances and the direction that he needed. Like, that's not always possible unless you're a good director. The sets and the look of the movie at the time were really good, really stylized. And he had control over that. Maybe not, you know, money and budget, but he had control over the look. And it's it's hard to manage this particular movie because this is not the vision of the movie I'm that, that, that he wanted. This is not the complete product that he wanted to have. It is the movie that is what we are given. But what he was given to work with, he brought the most out of. So that that's a real big compliment. And the movie, the, I mean, the movie could be better for sure. But. Given the circumstances, what he got out of what he had, uh, I gave him a 15 out of 20. You know, that's a, a solid, you know, 75%. That's not a bad score. Could the movie have been better? Yes. Could it have been worse? Oh, yeah. Definitely could have been worse. Next category. Okay, so this one, it, it, we, we do production. We do production and cinema. And, well, this one is interesting. Okay, given that the budget, now you can look at these facts in IMDb, so I'm just pulling it off of their website. The budget for this movie was $40 million. You know, at the time, $40 million was was probably a really big budget, but not the biggest of the budgets available for the scope of what was going on with this movie. You know, budgets nowadays for, for 
for movies are significantly more than that. You know, movies that aren't supposed to do have, you know, big returns, but are supposed to be good. They'll, they'll still get a hundred million nowadays. So movie budgets back then weren't the same as what they are now. And to do what you can with that money, this movie has such a good to, to me and maybe I'm biased. This movie has a really good look to it. Some things, yeah, you know, we know the sandworms, have their ups and downs in terms of their of their vis, visualization on it, but you and and some of the the space shots where they see the little spaceships or the space crafts that are like the big cylindrical things hanging out in space. You know there are definitely some noticeable weak spots here, but in terms of how this movie looks and how this movie feels, it's really good and how the movie gets shot you know sometimes in action sequences you have like the you you have the fast moving camera or the the camera angle changes and it changes and it changes or you zoom in and you zoom out i don't you just if there were those things in this movie i just didn't notice it and maybe maybe that's a, a compliment to everything going on in the movie where it just seemed to me like it was a clean, composed, clean shot movie. Not a lot of crazy shots, but the shots got you everything that you needed to see. And what you saw when you got those shots were, you know, the cityscapes, the 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 desert, the the buildings that these people occupied. And all that stuff just had a nice element, a good place, and a nice fit to it. Uh, once again, you know, it, if this budget for this movie back then would have been a lot, a lot larger and they had more time to do things, I mean, I can only imagine how cool it would have looked. But we'll, we'll see what that money and time comes into a modern version of this movie when... The movie comes out, the new version of Dune comes out in, in the holiday time frame. But it'll be, for what for what you had capabilities of doing, I thought the movie looked really good. Um, a, a good example is kind of the, the scope of the industrialized view for the Harkonnens, right? So... Their, how their planet is set up and how their, well, what we got to see of their setup anyway and how everything was just kind of laid out just seemed authentic to me. Like it didn't seem, it didn't seem made up or from a movie, right? It looked really good when there were all the, the scenes of uh, where, you know, where the emperor's at. It's not like we went to a thousand different places, we only went to a few places in this movie, but what, those places had a color, had a look, had a scheme, presented well on camera, and it, I, I don't know. To me, everything looked pretty good, and with the limitations, I'm guessing, that they had on the budget and the time frame, uh, I thought everything came together pretty well. So for production and cinematography, I give it a 16 out of 20. Now, the biggest knock would probably be the next category, which is the plot. And the plot's a 20-point category, and I'll, 
all the point I gave nine points for this. And the reason is really a couple things. I mentioned it before. This movie is over two hours long, should be over four hours, should be two parts. What you get is a time frame and a speed that this movie moves at that is just confusing. After watching it again, after watching actually a lot of YouTube clips, five minute clips of this movie, and then watching the complete movie again, I got a grasp of what's going on. But if you're a first time, like you've watched this movie for the first time and you're not paying attention to the inner monologue and the introduction, and you're not paying attention to the behind the scenes things, uh, the interactions of the actors, uh, you know, portraying their characters, you're going to miss a lot. And there's just a lot of things that aren't delivered here. There are timely, lengthy scenes in the movie, and then there are quick scenes. And then there are scenes that just jump ahead seemingly, you know, years without any explanation of what has happened in between those time segments. And I I just feel like we missed storylines. We missed we we missed evolution of characters. We missed the change in characters. We missed so many details of things that happened and uh, dominoes that fell and and all these little plot points that just kind of were left on with no finalization that it's you're, you're left with a segmented weirdly paced movie. And that, like I said, that, that becomes the major issue with this movie. And then the ending, the ending is weird. So he's, he's become what he was, you know, intended to become, he goes and he's reclaimed, you know, he, he, he's defeated his enemies seemingly. And then, like I said, there's the knife fight at the end and he wins the knife fight, does his shout and the movie's over. And you're just like, um, wow, what? Uh, okay. So he, there's all this, this, this lead up of this battle. And then the battle happens at the end and then it's done. There's no, there's no finalization. There's no, what, what happened? Like, you know, it just, it just really, a really weird ending. The outcome, like it was to be expected, but what happened after that? What happened even not even, two hours after, like what happened? So it's just a weird ending to a movie and a weird pace to a movie. And there's, like I said, if you don't pay attention, there's just so many details that just get mentioned once. And if you miss it, you're, you're left in the dark and there's lots of different names and there's lots of different people. That's part of the source material, but the actual core of the plot is fine and I understand that. And it's not a weak plot, but the, the all the other sequence is just, it's not good. And that's why, that's why I gave this one a 9 out of 20. Okay, two more categories. We've got props. Props is a 10-point category. And I'm telling you, everything, it's really, it's costuming and props. So I'll leave that. It's more costuming for me in this category because... The look of all the the characters, man, especially the Harkonnens, their their individual 
just outfits and uniforms that they had. Their, you know, their battle uniforms were just really cool, really unique. And I feel like they they all delivered in like the creepiness and I don't know what category you'd put it in. It, it delivered in, gosh, that look of, man, this is in the future, but it's not outlandish in the future. Where some people's, some people's version of the future is, you know, over the top or, or a little too crazy, a little out of the realm of what seems feasible. And for the most part, all the different, all, all the different landscapes of what people wore, how they wore them, how they had their hair, how they had the look to them was just on point for creativity without being outspoken. So I've got to give big, big points. I've got to get all that I can for this one. 10 out of 10 on the, on the costuming, the props, uh, of course, their, 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 their guns that they had. Every faction had their own different type of weaponry. Uh, but those didn't look like standard guns, but they didn't look like, you know, crazy weapons. Uh, they had a, once again, a, a unique look, but not an outlandishly over the top look. I really appreciated that. Uh, last category we have is location. Location is based out of uh, 10 points. And the locations on these were, if you think about it, there was a lot of desert stuff. There was a couple of different views from where people were at, like where they were, where they were living, where they were inhabiting. But it's not like you you visited 80 different places in this movie. You really visited, you know, about 10 different places once all is said and done. And those places as they were delivered to you were each unique, each had their own feel, each had their own weight. Um, simplified. I'll, I'll go back to what I've stated in some of the other categories too. Sometimes people's view of the future is crazy or over the top. And that was not the case in this. It was, it was presented with what made sense, what was unique, what was individualized to the different planets, what was individualized to the different factions. And I really appreciated the fact that everything looked to me authentic and everything to me looked like it was thought out, but not over thought out. Uh, so in the locations, I gave an 8 out of 10. So if you add up all the numbers, you get a solid 77 score on this movie. And I would highly advise a lot of you, if you have time to watch it, you got a couple hours. Like I said, it's just over two hours. Sit down and watch this movie. And if you're, you know, my age, you'll, you'll remember seeing this movie from when you were younger. And you'll get a better appreciation of it now that you're older, because I think you'll understand the movie a little bit better. You'll also also appreciate the look and the feel of the movie. Um, you, you, the storyline, maybe not so much. The 
<laughs> the ending for sure, maybe not so much, but I feel like when you watch this movie when you were younger, that it it was cool and it didn't meet expectations. And when you watch it now, maybe your expectations have been tempered because you remember it not being that good. But this time, when you watch it, that it will be better because you know you know now technology has changed almost 40 years later and there is a new dune coming out so it's a good time to refresh your memory on the storyline because there are a lot of intricate parts there are a lot of names of people and characters that if you know and you want to watch the movie that's going to come out this holiday season if you're already familiar with the names and you're already familiar with the plot and the storyline, then you can enjoy the visuals and the acting that are going to be presented in this new version of the movie. Uh, I was able to see it. It's on HBO Max currently. So if you have that, it's able you're able to go in and stream that. Uh, it's it's definitely well worth your 80s watch time. Um, I mean, we, we've had discussions before. If you know, you, you want to watch Robocop, you want to watch Predator, those movies are dope and they have their own little category for sure. Uh, but this is this one is on it in its unique little platform. There's not a lot of sci fi movies that have this scope, sci fi fantasy that have this scope and have this feel to it. Um, especially in the time frame where. Star Wars was coming out, you know, in the in the late 70s and you had Star Trek. So it was popular, but maybe not the most popular genre to be presenting a big budget, big look movie in 84 and it didn't it didn't make a lot of money. It didn't have a lot of popularity then. I just think it's worth rehashing today. Uh, if you have some suggestions or want to discuss, definitely throw it out on our social media, right? Pudding Guys or Real Pudding Guys. Real Real Pudding Guys on Twitter, Pudding Guys on Facebook or Instagram. If you have your thoughts on this movie or you're, you have a, a hidden little gem or a thing that you see repeatedly on this movie that you just love, you know, give us a nod on that. We love hearing the feedback or the love from some of these movies that we talk about that we hope other people love those movies as well. So until next time, enjoy your 80s movies. 